Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro and I'm very happy to welcome you today to this very special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Jillian Cantor and her husband David have six children, Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. And over the last nine years or so, Jillian has been coming on this program once a month to share with us what she learns from her kids. And over the course of those nine years, as their family grew, we have heard about their ups and downs, their joys and struggles, as we learn the many lessons that Jillian's kids teach her about her relationship with God. It is one of my favorite segments because I love kids, I love being a parent, and these lessons are so profound, simple, yet profound. Perhaps you've only heard a few of them. Maybe you're not able to always listen to the full show. And so this week, we're happy to bring you some of our best What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. These are some of her segments from 2019, 2020, and 2021. Don't worry about taking notes because you can always head over to our website, slmedia.org, and listen to the program again and again, or subscribe to the Salt and Light Hour podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our program as Jillian learns about generosity and receiving, keeping promises, making excuses, the importance of quiet time and waiting, and spiritual warfare. But we begin with a lesson on the importance of words. And now it's time for... What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Thank you so much. How Happy are you? Happy Easter. Good. Thank you. Yes. How are you enjoying your Easter days? Very nice. Very nice. Did you have lots of uh, chocolate Easter bunnies at your house? Um. Yes, there have been some and lots consumed yes. by myself. Oh, good. Yeah. And Not I've shared some as well. Yeah. Don't let the kids eat chocolate. Yeah. No. That's bad for them. That's it. That's our lesson today. All the chocolates are for <laughs> mom. Yeah. Yep. Did you learn something else from your kids? Yes, always. Um, today we're focusing on words. Okay. Um, the lesson, we'll give a title to it. The lesson today is sometimes the wrong words are actually the right words. Hmm. Um, and what got me thinking about this um, is listening to my second eldest Henry sing songs with totally the wrong lyrics. Yes. Um, and sometimes they sound better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the example, and I'm going to try to not sing it because I shouldn't sing uh, in the privacy of my own home, yes. let alone on the radio. On public radio, yes. So I'll just say it. And if you want to sing it, you can. <laughs> it's the old-timey praise and worship song. Maybe it's not old-timey. It feels a bit old to me. Uh, Jesus, you are my best friend. Yes. You will always be. But Henry sings it, Jesus, you are my best friend. You belong with me. Oh, that's good. Um, yeah, exactly. And so David was saying, uh, he said, have you heard Henry singing the song? And yeah, he said, maybe I should correct him. He said, but I kind of like it better the way he sings it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's what we think. Like, yeah, sometimes the wrong words are the better words or they are the right words. Um, and then with regards to how that pertains to a life lesson. Yes. I was just thinking recently, um, we celebrated my mom's 75th birthday. Mm -hmm. um, my family, my siblings and I were not the most expressive uh, bunch in terms of emotions, yes. whether that's verbally or physically, like we just keep it to ourselves. Yes. Stiff upper lip kind of people. Yes. Um, but for the my mom's 75th birthday, we put together a book of 75 things we love about mom. Um, and it was really a challenge to get everyone to contribute <laughs> their list of things that they love about mom. 
And so in particular, my brother, I had to send him a number of texts, and I knew I was getting to be very annoying, but I just finally said to him, you're never going to regret saying something nice to mom. So in this case, it's not about the wrong words, it's just about any words and how do we use them to either um, uplift someone Mm -hmm. um, or just to be brave with them, to say things that we might be uncomfortable saying. Maybe we feel them, but we just feel too shy, too embarrassed, too nervous to say. And so I was just in that moment, in that situation, really trying to encourage my brother, like, this is not going to be something you'll regret. It's not going to be something that upsets mom. Like, you're saying something good about her. Just say it. Use your words. Use your words. Um, And I find that in our day-to-day as well. Like, you never know what kind of day someone is having. And if you see them and you honor something about them or acknowledge something about them, and you don't just keep it in your head, but actually say it, like, whatever the situation be. Maybe a, a mom in a grocery store and she's, you know, she looks like she's either having a great day with her kids or she's having a rough day with her kids. doesn't matter. You have seen it. You've observed it. Now acknowledge it and say something like, hi, you look like you're having a nice time or um, hang in there, whatever this thing yeah. might be. It just means so much to that person. Or maybe it doesn't, but in the end, you've given it to them. you yes. offered that little bit of yourself. You've True. given them those words. They can do with it what they will, but hopefully what you've done is really changed the course of someone's day where they might have been having a bad day and that one little comment is now the good thing that they're going to hang on to or whatever it is. But just don't be afraid to use your words. They might, they, yeah, they'll never be the, it'll never be the wrong thing. I right. Think. Yes. If that makes sense. It does. And <laughs> words, we tend to hang on to our words. It's and we true. Wait when we want to perfect them and make them just absolutely 100% right before we dare say something. Right. But sometimes they don't need to be no. that perfect. They yes. just need to be said. Yes, so. and you're right. And words have such an amazing power to build yeah. up or uplift or yeah. give hope. So that's the les- lesson right there. And the, the other lesson is that Jesus belongs with me or with Henry. <laughs> you are my best friend. Yes, absolutely. Forget you, everyone else. You belong with to me. To me, yes. <laughs> Jesus loves everyone, but he belongs to me. With Henry. Yeah. With Henry. Well, thank Great you, Henry, for that lesson. Thank you, Jill. <laughs> and uh, Yes, and happy Mother's Day. Thanks so much. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's always nice to be here. It's always nice to have you because you always have such great insight that you've <laughs> learned from your wonderful children. So what did you learn this month? All right. Well, um, this one is uh, probably a little, well, it's unfamiliar territory for me. So it's kind of funny that I would even voyage into this okay. um, side of things, but I'll let you stop me and correct me <laughs> when you need to Okay. start sounding completely wrong theologically. Yes. Um, so the thing that we are coming to, I think we knew this, but it, I mean, it's something that you don't always think about, and that is the, the idea that there is a spiritual battle going on for each and every one of us, um, uh-huh. our souls. Um, when we consider God's personal, individual love for each of us, I think that is a concept that is really overwhelming. It maybe not so easy to understand that God made you, he has a plan for you, um, that you are loved by him, that he's your best friend. These are the things that we're trying to pass on to our kids and teach them, 
But as those lessons come out of our mouths, I also am challenged by that. Like, God can love me as an individual, me, Jillian Cantor, mm-hmm. um, so much. Conversely, if we, uh, you know, we believe that with great conviction, that God has that desire for our hearts, then we also need to recognize that the devil um, is trying to fight for our souls as well. Mm-hmm. Not because he loves us, but because he wants to destroy us. Yes. Um, so this is not a very <laughs> uplifting message. No, not at all. And it's and something that we don't, I don't think that lots of us want to think about, because really it's terrifying to imagine that somebody is out to get you. Yeah. Um, and it's that stuff that horror movies are made of, and you really don't want to enter into that, enter into that thought. No. Nor do you really want to share much of it no. with your kids. No. <laughs> it's really, I mean, it's something that adults have a hard time understanding and grasping. So yes. Children, I mean, they understand the concepts of good guys and bad guys just from <clears throat> the stories that they read um, and the games that they play, but this is well beyond that. But the mm-hmm. reason that it has come to top of mind is because we have been helping Henry um, as he prepares to receive his first Holy Communion. Okay. Um, now, Henry is a very passionate fellow, and he has been from the very beginning of his life here with us. Um, he is a lover and a fighter, so he's, his passion is expressed on both ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. He'll be the first one to hug you and love you and be really mushy and really cuddly, but he's also the one who can get the most angry right. um, and be the one to tell you that he doesn't like you. Yes. So he's, he, yeah, it's, um, it's a seesaw of emotions with him, so that's a bit challenging. Um, he's also the our child who has told us um, that when he grows up, he would like to be a priest. Now, mm. kids tell you different things all the time about what they want to grow up and do, um, and some of it like astronaut or mm-hmm. a ballerina doctor, or um, our oldest has told us he's going to move in with, our, with his cousins and own 57 hamsters. So it's just there's always <laughs> a wide spectrum of what kids can imagine that they're going to do when they grow up. Um, but Henry has spoken about this for a long time, and there's just something about the way that he says it and who he says it to and the confidence that he has when he says that, you know, one day he'll be a priest, that I think we take it a little more seriously than the 57 hamsters idea. Yes. Not that we are pushing it, but we're just, you know, if he says that, we're like, well, that would be really amazing, Henry, if one day you were a priest, and we'll see what God has planned for you and those sorts of phrases so that he knows you know, we encourage him in whatever he, he chooses to do. So that's kind of all the backstory. <laughs> so as we're preparing for his first communion, we're also recognizing that <clears throat> Henry is really challenging us with his behavior, those passions that I spoke about. Um, but unfortunately, it was mostly the negative side of the passion. That he mm-hmm. was being basically incredibly naughty. <laughs> and it was really hard, not just on uh, us as parents, to try to figure out how to deal with him, how to parent him, but also the whole family, because they were, everyone was the target of his rage and of his naughtiness and disobedience. Um, so it was just really challenging in these last few months. And I think part of us as parents kind of identified it maybe as a little bit of that spiritual warfare. Like, he's approaching his first communion, and, you know, this is a big thing, that he'll be able to receive the body of Christ. And, you know, if there's anything that the devil wants to fight against, it's got to be mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially a little boy who can speak so with such conviction that he wants to have this vocation toward the priesthood. So 
I think part of us was also hoping that once we hit this first communion, we would be seeing a change in him, that we would, he would experience, you know, he'd receive Christ, and there would be more peace and joy, and his behavior would mm-hmm. change. So this last Saturday, we celebrated with him, received his first communion. He was really a happy, cheerful boy all day long, and it was just it was a beautiful experience. Um, and then the next day, <laughs> it was back to where he was before, all that naughtiness, and I think... You know, David and I both looked at each other with slumped shoulders like, oh my gosh, here we go again. No, I mean, receiving the body of Christ is not, um, it's not receiving magic. It's not going to, you know, erase all the bad things that we Mm -hmm. don't want to deal with. And and quite frankly, we're not expecting, we shouldn't just um, dismiss all this as, what's out of our hands? Spiritual warfare, what can we do? No, we realize we still have to parent him. He's still a child. You know, he could just be being naughty. Yes. Um, but we do also recognize that, with not just with him, but with all of our kids, we have to prepare them for this battle. Um, and again, not necessarily talking a lot about the devil and trying to scare them, but just giving them the tools um, and their armor so that they can... Um, fight for the mm-hmm. Lord and fight mm-hmm. for themselves and fight for their own spirituality. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's a big topic and maybe it, doesn't make a lot of sense. No, but it, it does. Just has opened our eyes um, to just the the battle that does exist. I mean, I mean let's even look at the consider the um, the prayer of Saint Michael the Archangel. Yes, and the phrasing there, and it's like, "Defend us this day in battle." Yes, wickedness, snares of the devil. Like those are the things that we have to realistically, you know, that exists. And mm-hmm. We need to armor ourselves and our children um, to fight in that battle yes, so that they can come out on the other side loving and knowing Jesus. Yes, absolutely. And that's a, that's a good lesson for all of us because we're all in that battle. That's, uh, it's heavy, but it's, it's important. Thank you. Congratulations to Henry on his first communion. <laughs> I'm Deacon Pedro. We're listening to a special What I Learned from My Kids edition of the Salt and Light Hour with Jillian Cantor. Coming up, more lessons, one on waiting and one on making excuses. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, and happy almost Easter. Happy almost Easter. Easter. And I always think that it's going to be like an Easter lesson, but it always ends up being like a Lent or Holy Week lesson, because Easter's not here yet. No, sorry. I'll share some joy with you next time. Next time we'll do Easter lessons. Right. This Lent, we have um, explored many lessons, but the one I'll talk about today is that we often find Jesus in the sitting and the waiting. Mm. So uh, one of our Lenten family activities has been, I'd like to say, a full-on rosary um, every evening, but it's, that's a lot for little kids. So we've yeah. chosen to do a decade every night after supper. And then our eight-year-old Henry expanded on that, and he said, how about we each write a prayer, and then after the rosary is done, we'll take turns each reading our 
prayer. Wow. One a night. Every we get a draw from a box, and that person gets to read their prayer. Yes. And then Annie expanded on that, and we'll sing Jesus Loves Me. And then Joseph, and then we'll say the St. Michael prayer. So it actually is, probably by the time we're all done that, we might as well have it's, said an it's entire It's a whole religion. liturgy. <laughs> you have a whole paraliturgy there. And I'm glad Henry is your theologian, right? He's the one who yeah. started it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the prayer that I have written for uh, to put in the box for when I, my name is drawn goes like this. Heavenly Father, Lent is hard. When we want to watch a show, show us a new opportunity. When we want to eat something sweet, help us to be sweet to one another. When we would rather play than pray, let our praise be fun. And may a Lent that is hard make us better servants of God. We love you, Jesus. Amen. So isn't that a super amazing prayer that I gave to my kids, but I don't actually follow that advice myself? (laughs) (laughs) As I think I've said in previous years, um, when Lent is hard, and often I make it hard for myself because I don't just give up one thing. I feel like in order to be truly penitential, I'm going to give up all the things. But inevitably, I cave. It's too hard. I, um, I let the temptation take over, um, and I, I convince myself it's necessary because of whatever the situation I'm in, whether it's that I'm tired or it's been a long day with a baby or whatever it is. It's just I have those excuses that say, it's okay if I break this one thing this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you know, in consuming other people's information, their thoughts on what Lent is or how hard it is, I, I read the words, um, Lent will often find you which I thought was interesting because what does that mean? Does that mean we just never give anything up and we just let life in its difficulties mm. and situations be our Lent? Is that enough? Mm. Um, but then as I'm pondering that, I'm actually going to pick him up right now. Our dear sweet Leo <laughs> has been pretty sick these last this last week, Aww. this last week of Lent, in fact. Hey, Buster. Hi. Yeah, um, Leo's saying Lent is hard. Yeah, Lent is hard. And... While being sick, all Leo wanted was, of course, his mama's arms, which meant up all night with him, like literally literally sitting with him in my arms all night um, and all through the day as well. And Lent was hard. (laughs) Carrying Leo around that much was hard. And the only thing I could really do, as opposed to trying to, as opposed to trying to do activities or chores or whatever my daily schedule was with a baby in my arms, what, in t- what instead I allowed myself to do was sit with him in my arms and just mm. forget that to-do list for a while. Excuse you, Buster. Wow. Um, and so as I sat with him uh, in my arms, mm-hmm. that's when I realized this is where Lent is. It is in the sitting and the waiting. Yeah. It's in the sitting and the thinking. It's in the allowing myself to read a book, um, whether it was scripture or whether it was spiritual in nature. Um, not necessarily picking up the phone and scrolling through Facebook and Instagram, but to sit and to do something for, I guess, my own spiritual mm-hmm. care. Um, and that is where I ended up finding God um, during this Lent, during the hard season that Lent always is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I just had to allow myself to do that, and it's difficult because as a mom and as just my personality, I just want to be doing something and have control over that to-do right. list and just always have a project on the go, whether it's necessary or not. So to sit um, and read and sit and think or just sit and be, that's, that's hard. Mm-hmm. But that, that is where 
God is, my daughter really wants to write on this piece of paper. Yes, you may. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know if I answered any questions today, but I feel like I'm looking after all my kids while talking to you on the phone. <laughs> no, that's good lessons from your kids this season of Lent. Um, thank you. And yes, yes, I hope you, you let us post that prayer on sure, our website. Sure. We'll do yeah. that. Thank I will you. ask the children's permission. Thank Yes, <laughs> and thank them for helping you this time. Yeah, always. All right. Happy Easter. Same to you. And now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Hello. Thank you so much. Good to have you back. So what have you learned from your kids this month? All right. Well, from all five of them at various times. Yes. I've heard quite a few excuses about a number of things. (laughs) So that's the lesson we're learning. This month is making no excuses? More excuses. Oh, no more excuses. No, no, no. I'm not teaching people how to make excuses. <laughs> how to come I'm up with good excuses. <laughs> no more excuses. Okay. And probably the, I don't know, is it funny? Is it cute? Is it shocking that the two year old has already started making excuses? Oh, no, that's horrible. She's probably the slowest eater in the entire world. Uh-huh. So she'll just be sitting there staring off into space, and you can clearly see that she's not eating anything. So yeah. I put the food on the fork, and I hold it up to her mouth, and she looks at me kind of like she's surprised that I'm trying to feed her, and she says, I'm chewing. She's not <laughs> chewing. There's nothing in your mouth. <laughs> what are you chewing? She just doesn't want to eat. She's being lazy. So she tells us that she's chewing. She's starting to make excuses. Uh-huh. And so as we're... I'm like, no, you're not. Please eat. What do you think I am? A nincompoop. I can see that you're not doing. But the story still relates to me because when it comes to prayer time, I sit there pretending I'm chewing quite a bit. And I'm actually not doing anything. I tell myself, I'm just so busy. The days are so busy. I don't know where I'll put prayer time in. Morning time, I'm too tired. Night time, I'm too tired. Middle of the day, if there's any sort of problems with nap times or it's a PA day and the other kids are home, well, then that's not going to happen. But as I'm thinking all these things, I'm scrolling through Facebook or looking at Instagram photos of people I do not know. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm just sitting there pretending that I'm chewing, and those are my excuses. So... That was a really quick lesson. No more excuses. <laughs> Stop making excuses. Um, but it's something that I I tell the kids, and I've probably, I might have mentioned it before in one of um, our discussions, is that something that I'm trying to impress upon them is that our weakness is not our excuse, but it's our motivation. Yeah. So uh, whatever it is that we feel like we're not very good at or... You know, that's just our character trait. We can't just say, meh, that's how I'm made. This is my excuse. I can't do anything about it. Um, but instead, we have to use that as our motivating factor to get it, to change mm-hmm. something about ourselves um, so that we can try harder, do better, give more of an effort, any of the, any of the above. Yeah. Um, so when I look at what I think is my really busy schedule um, and my maybe my disorganization <laughs> in my day, I can't look at that weakness and just think, meh, that's the way it is, but that mm-hmm. I actually have to try. I have to put some effort into that. Yes. Um, and just, yeah, reorder some things and figure things out and not just sit there staring at Facebook because that's yeah. a whole other problem. 
so no more excuses. Yeah, no more excuses. I love that. I love that. You're just reminding me that someone not a month ago said to me, my resp- he asked me to do something and my response was, I don't have any time. And he said, you do have time. You just have different priorities. Yeah. And it's exactly what you're saying. That That's great. Um, that's great. No more excuses. And, and I know you're not chewing. So there. <laughs> you're not chewing. Yeah. And if you are chewing, you've been chewing for way too long. Swallow. <laughs> I'll just leave you with this little nugget from Clara, yeah. who was listening in on a conversation. I didn't even realize it. I was telling the boys a reason for why I was doing a particular thing. And I feel like I had explained it too many times. And uh-huh. so when they asked me yet again, I just said to them, because. And she was sitting over in the corner coloring away. And all of a sudden, I heard a little voice squeak out, because isn't that a reason? And I'm like, well, <laughs> where did you hear that? And yeah, so it's, it's not a reason. That's not an excuse. You have to yeah. come up with something better than that. That's great. So there, that's from Clara. Because mm-hmm. is not a reason. Because is not a reason. Thank you, Clara, and all your children, and uh, for teaching us this very valuable lesson um, that we all uh, that we all needed to hear. Thank you. All right, Jillian, get on with it. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can write to me at pedro at slmedia.org. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour featuring some of the best of What I Learned from My Kids segments with Jillian Cantor. If you missed the beginning of the program or to listen to any of our shows, head over to slmedia.org where you can find all our Salt and Light Hour programs or you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up are lessons about the importance of quiet time, and generosity in giving and receiving. So stay tuned. And now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Happy Advent. Happy Advent, I know. When I talk to you, it makes it the liturgical calendar and the speed with which it passes very aware. Good. Very, very yeah. uh, apparent. Yes, yeah. That we, yeah. We are zooming through the year. Yeah. Good. Good. So you have Advent lessons for us? Uh, it's just a, it's a lesson. Just a it lesson. could pertain to Advent if you would like to, but. <laughs> okay. Just, you can make the connection. You can make it whatever you okay. like. Okay. <laughs> All right. What did you learn from your kids? Then? So I, what I'm learning from my kids is that it is good to spend some quiet time and alone time with your mommy and your daddy. Okay. Or your mommy or your daddy. Yes. <laughs> Whichever. Yes. It's good to have some quiet and alone time. Yes. Um, I had the opportunity last Friday to go to a concert. I had two tickets. Um, and so I could take a child with me. So I, after some thinking decided oh I think Annie would really like to come so um, I told Annie about this concert and she was gung-ho and ready to go and very excited and it was just she was the sweetest little date we had a lovely time um, and it just gave me a different perspective well not really I mean I know who she is but it just gave me this a different time or amount of time to appreciate who she is and see out in the world how she sees things and um, what her commentary is on things and mm. just a delight in her sense of humor. And I loved it. And she loved it too. You could tell 
she was very snuggly and cuddly and was always grabbing my hand and pulling me to the next thing and asking me lots of questions. And it was just a good time to have mm-hmm. with her. And I've had different opportunities <clears throat> here and there. David and I have never really made it a focus or an intention that, okay, we're going to make sure we have yeah. one-on-one time with each of the kids. We never really made that a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would just come upon, come about because of what we happened to be doing. Like if I had taken one of the boys to ball practice, well then afterwards we might stop and get a donut. Right. Mostly because I wanted the donut, <laughs> but also it served the purpose of spending a little extra time with that one child because it can get, surprise, surprise, loud and crazy in a mix of six yes, young kids. Yes, absolutely. Um, so it's nice to have that, to just pull them out and have that time one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell that it means something to them too and they desire it. Uh, when I told Annie that she was going to get to go to this concert with me, it made her very happy, but not surprisingly, it made Clara, mm-hmm. the next little girl, very sad because she wasn't going. So I was trying to comfort her amid her tears. She was sobbing on my shoulder, and I say, oh, Clara, Mommy will take you on a date. We will go to a restaurant, and we will have brie and beets, because those are two <laughs> of her favorite things, strangely enough. Yeah. Um, those are things she loves to eat. And immediately she stopped crying, and she looked at me with a big smile, and she said, and maybe a little bit of poutine? <laughs> like, <Aww>. sure. <laughs> so I have to find a restaurant that has beets and brie and poutine, <laughs> but it'll be great. We're going to have a great time. Um, so knowing how it is good to spend that time with mommy or daddy, mm-hmm. it has also made me look at my own my own mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, I was fortunate to have them visiting here. They live in Saskatchewan. We are mm-hmm. in Ontario. Um, they were visiting a week ago, and it just made me appreciate that time that I get to have with them. Um, when we go to visit them in Saskatchewan, there's always a lot of things to do, and if the other family members are there, again, it's it's a crazy household. There's a lot of people, and there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I know as much as my mom and dad love my kids and love to spend time with their grandkids, they also, I think, appreciate seeing me as their daughter and not also as somebody's mom and somebody's wife at the same time. Right. That they can just take that time and appreciate me as daughter and I can appreciate them yeah, as mom yeah, yeah. and dad instead yeah. of Grammy and Papa, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So it it just gave me this renewed love of sitting with them and being with them and talking with them mm-hmm. um, because I can't get enough of that. I love to ask them a lot of questions when I'm with them um, and just hear their different perspectives about life and about their history and growing up and what was it like when they were young yeah. and my age and the things that they remember and the stories they tell uh, mean a lot to me and I, I'm trying my best as I hear them to write them down because these are things yes. I'm going to want to remember and to be able to share with my kids and um, and also just direct my life upon. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm enjoying being a mummy having time to spend with each of my individual children, but I'm also enjoying getting to be that child and spend time with my mommy and daddy. Yes. Um, yes. But then, of course, there's also another mother and father <laughs> that mm-hmm. it's good to have that one-on-one time with, um, and it's just prompting me and pushing me during this Advent season to make sure I sit down and have that special one-on-one time Yes. with our Lord. I can often because of the busyness and craziness, I can often claim, or I often will claim, our child's prayer time at bedtime as my own as well. Mm. Um, And while it's meaningful and it is something, it is prayer, it's not 
necessarily my own. It's not my own quiet time with the Lord. Right. So I'm really trying to push myself to sit down, chill out, <laughs> grab grab the Bible, yeah. have an Advent journal. Let's sit down and spend some time with my daddy in heaven. Yes, and, and your um, mother. Just hear what he has to say. What are his stories? What is his perspective on life and living? And what can I take away from him? So mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, this mommy and daddy time. That's good. Time. Good, and it's it is good. Ad, good Advent advice, because um, that's a perfect thing to do during Advent. And I think that for parents, absolutely make make time to 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 spend one on one time with your kids, with or without poutine. <laughs> Our U.S. listeners have no idea what that is. Poutine, Canadian <laughs> cuisine at its best. Yes, and it's the favorite of my five year old daughter. That's <laughs> wonderful. Okay, good. Good to do. During Advent or any time of the year, quiet, alone time, not with your kids, not just with your kids, not just with your parents, but also with our Heavenly Father and our Mother Mary. Thank you, Jillian. Thank you. Have a blessed rest of the Advent season, and we'll talk to you just before Christmas. Okay, sounds great. Amen. And now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, Mary... uh, See, this always happens. Almost, I know. We Merry almost Christmas. How are you? Merry fourth Sunday of Advent. I'm good. I'm good. You've learned something Christmassy from your children. Yes, I have. Um, In the lead up to our Christmas season, we are um, we will always be celebrating a birthday in the house. That's Joseph's Uh um, birthday is on December fifteenth. He's our eldest Mm -hmm. child, Um, and so witnessing the events surrounding his birthday has given us a Christmassy lesson. Good. So one of the things that I love <clears throat> about Joseph is that he has a pretty generous heart, mm-hmm. um, and he loves to celebrate other people. So um, in the lead up to birthdays, whether it's his siblings or cousins or mine or David's, he always makes sure that he has a chance to do some shopping. He always will ask me, when can we go to the store? Because he'll want to pick out something for whoever whoever's birthday is coming. Um, and he brings his own wallet, and he pays for it with his own money, uh-huh. you know, whether it's um, a pack of Pokemon cards or a book or a little toy for his sisters. Um, he makes sure that he picks something out that he thinks that they'll love. Um, and and he came up with this on his own. It wasn't that David or I ever said to him, let's go to the store and buy a present, but he wanted to do it. It was a sincere thought of his own. Mm-hmm. That he wanted to be able to gift someone um, through his own generosity. Um, so as we approached his birthday, this time it was a chance for his siblings to do the same for him. Um, and so whether it was artwork or something that they purchased, they each were excited to prepare for Joseph's birthday. So Henry had gone to the store to buy him a book that he was waiting for, he was excited to read, um, and he made him a really nice painting. Clara made him a really great pencil holder out of a toilet paper roll. Okay. And Janie had this construction paper uh, artwork that she was very excited mm-hmm. to give to him. So uh, they were each offering what they could sincerely from their hearts, and it was exciting and beautiful to see how happy they were to offer this to their brother. But one of the other things I love about Joseph is how he receives his gifts. Um, so on his birthday morning, that's when we have birthday donuts and open birthday presents. It's been a little tradition in our Family okay. mostly as an excuse for me to eat donuts. <laughs> yes, I like it. But now it's birthday donuts. <laughs> so 
the kids were so excited to share their gifts with their brother, and he opened each one and commented on what it was that they had made for him. And it was always so joyful and positive um, when he opened Janie's, which had a million little pieces of tape on it, and he very patiently took off each each piece Mm -hmm. of tape. And then he's holding up this construction paper rectangle that has stickers plastered all over it, and he holds it up. Cool, Janie, what is this? And she says, she proclaims, it's a flag. And he waves it in the air. He says, great, I don't have a flag. And it was just making my mommy heart melt to see how sincere he was being, how sincere Janie was being. She was just offering the best that she could to him, and she had the biggest grin on on her face to give him this construction paper flag. And it made her so happy to see that he was happy or excited about it. And so, yeah, I just was a puddle of... Happiness, (laughs) Happiness, <laughs> just watching that all go down. And so I think the lesson that we're, we're learning from that, that we're taking away from that, and as we approach the Christmas season, when there is obviously some gift-giving involved, um, is to give sincerely and to receive graciously. Give what you can. It doesn't have to be the best, the brightest, brightest and the flashiest, mm-hmm. but it does need to maybe be you know the best from your heart. Um, and when you receive something, to receive it with, with extreme gratitude that somebody has thought to give you something and that they're just think of the, the time and the effort um, that has gone into whatever it is that they've given you. Um, and you can see that best in the birthday of an 11-year-old boy who receives gifts from his siblings. It was just a beautiful moment, and I wish everyone a Christmas filled with those moments of sincere giving and gracious receiving. Yeah. And of course, you're making me think of how we receive gifts from God that maybe we don't recognize or yeah. value mm-hmm. or appreciate. Yeah. And those are probably the gifts that we really need, yeah. even if it's just construction paper, <laughs> spiritual <okay>. construction paper. <laughs> yeah, it's true. There's a lot of, there are a lot of gifts that we, first of all, don't recognize as gifts and then um, that we don't appreciate, that we just think that isn't even what I needed or that's not what I want right now. Right. Um, but they were sincerely given and so should be graciously received. Mm-hmm. Amen. So good. So Christmas is a season of thanksgiving, gratitude, and generosity. Yeah. See, I'm not, so Joseph is clearly a, a gift giver because I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not at all. I'm, I'm the worst. I, d- I don't, and I think, well, people don't need more stuff. But it doesn't always have to be stuff. No, I know. But even yeah. even a nice note, I just don't feel, yeah. because I don't feel like I need that kind of mm-hmm. love expressed. Anyway, now we're talking about the love languages. So <laughs> that's another conversation for another <laughs> lesson. Um, I know. Well, good. It's good that you have a gift giver in the family. Yeah. Um, I, I also uh, love receiving and giving gifts. Oh, so I'm glad that really? Joseph does too, because I'll, I know for forever and ever, <laughs> he and I will be teamed up. Just loving the gift giving. Okay, so, okay. I yeah. did not know that about you. So now I know you've subtly put it out there. <laughs> I've just Jillian Cantor is a gift giver. I love receiving gifts. She loves receiving gifts and <laughs> eating donuts. So, so <laughs> there you go. Gifts of donuts. Gifts of How donuts. How did you go wrong? There you go. Mail them here to Salt and Light uh, Media, <laughs> and we will make sure Jillian gets the donuts uh, that you have to offer her. Thanks. In particular, apple fritters. Uh, oh my God, those are the worst. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, the yeah, apple fritters. Okay, I'll have to remember that next time. It's a time total I come mom over. donut. It's what's left in, in the box. <laughs> so, but I like them anyway. 
Merry okay. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to Joseph and the rest of the gang. Enjoy your holidays and all your gift giving. Thank you. With generosity. <laughs> I'm Deacon Pedro, and we're listening to a special What I Learned from My Kids edition of the Saltonite Hour featuring some of the best of Jillian Cantor's segments from the last couple of years. We will end the show with two more lessons, one about how God takes care of us and the other about how God always keeps his promises. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. You've How been you? you've been busy this month. I, yep, I have. I have a newborn baby in my arms right now. Yes, hello, Leo. Welcome to the world. Yes, thank you very much. So I am also bouncing up and down while I talk to you. So <laughs> if it sounds like I'm jumping on a trampoline, I'm not. Just bouncing a baby. Okay, good, good. And he's asleep. So has he taught? Uh, has no, he taught not. you anything? <laughs> has he taught you anything, or you've yes, learned something from your other children? Um, this is kind of maybe a collective lesson. Yeah. And maybe not so much even from my kids, but just a big flashing neon sign from God. Uh oh. Yes. So what I've been learning, and I guess it was through the birth of Leo, is that um, I can be assured that God is taking care of me, um, even though it may be in ways that I don't think, or maybe in ways that I didn't think were necessary or didn't want him to or that I hadn't controlled. (laughs) So, So God is looking after me and maybe in the ways that I wasn't expecting. Um, and how that came about was the very day that Leo was born. Um, I last radio program, if anyone remembers, I spoke to you about yes. trying not to worry, about waiting yes. in joyful anticipation of what yes. is to come. Yes. So I wouldn't say these things were worries. I'd say, say they were legitimate concerns. Some of my legitimate concerns were, where are my children going to go while I'm in the hospital having right. another baby? Yes. How are they going to get there? And will it take so long to distribute my children places that I'll end up birthing a child on the side of the road? So those are my <laughs> legitimate concerns. Yes. Um, but as it turned out, on the day that Leo was born, I dropped my girls off at uh, my parents-in-law. I was just going for a routine checkup, my regular doctor's appointment, for okay. her to look at me for two minutes and say, everything is fine, you haven't had a baby yet, come back next week. Right. Um, but instead, while I was there, in all of my years of having this doctor and all the babies that I've had, I've never seen her with a look of concern. But that day was the first time ever that I saw her look worried. Her brow furrowed, and she just it was not an expression I'd ever seen on her face before. She wasn't happy with the sound of the baby's heartbeat or if lack thereof. She couldn't really hear him very well. Mm-hmm. And so she said to me, uh, I'm going to send you to the hospital for some tests. Mm-hmm. Now, I had left my girls at my parents-in-law saying, I'll be back in an hour. They had someplace else they needed to be, and I was, I, my appointments had never been very long, so I was very confident, I'll see you in an hour to pick up the girls, everything will be fine. Yeah. But instead, now I'm heading to the hospital to have some tests. Now, when I get to the hospital, they say, this shouldn't take long, about 20 minutes, and you'll be on your way. Okay. Hmm. Four hours later, I was still in the hospital, still attached to machines, and feeling very annoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing was working out the way that they were supposed to that day. Um, I was stressing out a little bit about where my kids were. I couldn't get a hold of my parents-in-law. Their cell phones weren't on. And so I was just, just doing the frantic mom worry and trying to control everything yes. kind of situation. So four hours later, these tests aren't still done. Then they uh, want me to have an ultrasound. 
And after that ultrasound, a nurse comes into the room and says, um, and now I'm going to walk you over to labor and delivery. You're not going home. Oh. And so, I mean, here I am in a hospital. They're taking care of me. Everything is fine. But regardless, I burst into tears at that moment because it was just not what I had mm-hmm. planned for that day. So she allowed me to collect myself and send some texts and contact David and make yeah. sure that someone was going to pick my kids up from school and finally get a hold of my parents-in-law to look after the other little girls. And um, after all of that, I was finished, walked over to labor and delivery, and boom, 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 <laughs> three hours later, Leo was in our arms. And even though, like I said, I was annoyed at each of those steps, I was like, why can't I just go home? Why is nobody letting me eat lunch? Why is it taking so long? Who is looking after my kids? All those worries. Yeah. When I look back on it, I realize everything was taken care of. Mm-hmm. All those things I was worried about, my legitimate concerns from earlier about who's going to look after my kids, how are we going to get them there, how are we going to get to the hospital time, that all happened. Mm-hmm. Everything was taken care of. And it wasn't in the way that I wanted it to be. It wasn't the way that I had imagined, the picture, the scenario I had created in my head. But it was done. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but more so, like, what I felt God was telling me through that experience, through that day, and also when I looked back at moments in my pregnancy, He was giving me more opportunities to rest than I would normally allow myself to. Because as a busy mom of five kids, then now six, there's always something to do, always something to pick up, always Mm -hmm. a lesson to be taught, always Mm -hmm. someplace to go. And so I don't often give myself those moments to sit down. But as I've been told from doctors, as a mom of an advanced maternal age, <laughs> yes, um, they had some concerns and extra tests and just things they were looking out for in me. And the result of that was I needed to rest. And mm-hmm. in the end, all those things turned out to be nothing. But what it allowed me to do, what it gave me permission to do, and that's a big deal for me, <laughs> was to just take those moments and sit down. Mm-hmm. and maybe mother from the couch more than I would have liked to. Mm-hmm. But in those ways, I could see God's love for me saying, just sit down, just rest. It's okay. It's going to be taken care of. And now that we've had baby Leo and these post days of birthing a child and just trying to figure out, again, how to look after a newborn baby while handling other kids, I've also experienced the most amount of care, I feel like, than I have in any other pregnancy. The most meals delivered, the most offers of help, the most concern from friends and family than I've ever had before. And it should be chaos around here, and sometimes it is, Mm -hmm. but not as much as I expected (laughs) because I've just been so blessed with people loving me and God taking care of me. So it doesn't look like how I imagined, but it's definitely there. Um, yeah, and it's just giving me lots more moments to sit and stare at my baby, and that's exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm so glad that that's your lesson this month because that's such a hard lesson to trust. Because we, uh, you're, I'm like you. Like I know that I'm being taken care of, but I want to know how. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. God's like, you don't need to know. Yeah, so I, I can approve it. Yes, exactly. So I can prepare for the plan that you, how you're going to take care of me. He's like, no, just, just trust. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. So I hope that reaches some moms out there yes. who are rushing around, and especially during as we approach Advent and Christmas and busy, a busy, very busy season. Yes. To just rest and enjoy it, and you know, God might not do your Christmas shopping for you, but somehow it will all get done, and it will be way more enjoyable if you just take those moments to sit and stare at your babies.
Amen. Sit and stare at your babies. <laughs> don't feed them. They won't Just starve. Stare at them. Just stare at them. <laughs> <laughs> they don't need baths or cleanups. Okay. Well, that will ha- you do that to me. Don't neglect your kids, but, you know, stare at them. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you for that lesson. Uh, and uh, again, congratulations on the birth of Leo, Leo John Paul. He's pretty awesome. Very cool, and I look forward to meeting him in person. Mm-hmm. He's, he says the same of you. Yes. Now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much. It's been way too it, long. I know, and it always feels like I should be saying, like, did you have a good summer? But it's, we're already almost at <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> So I hope you had a good summer and a good beginning of the fall season and a good Thanksgiving because we're in Canada, all the holidays. And you've learned something. You're you're there with Leo, right? I am. So I thought I might just pass it over to Leo this time and let him do the talking. (laughs) Okay. Leo? No, he says no. He's shy today. He's busy. Um, Yeah. So I would have to say probably the thing that more... It's been highlighted in the last couple of weeks, but I can see even over the summer the message coming clear um, is the idea that God keeps his promises. Uh Um, And it's not something that I heard from one particular kid, um, but just from their their being here (laughs) is how Uh I recognize that God is faithful to his promises. Um, And I guess uh, the story really starts back in 2001. We'll do a little bit of a flashback to um, young Jillian, who had just finished um, college and university, and I started um, working for a children's magazine. Yeah. Um, and I was in Toronto, and I had my own apartment. Um, and, yeah, I was, I was enjoying my life. I loved my work. Um, World Youth Day was coming to Toronto, so I was volunteering for World Youth Day. I met a bunch of people through there. Life was really good, and I was young and carefree and all those um, wonderful things. Um, and I remember um, at the time living on the east side of the Tor- of Toronto, and oftentimes in the evenings or spare time or weekends or whatever, I would just walk down to the beaches um, and just kind of walk along the water or sit on the beach and think. And um, I remember a very specific occasion where um, just sitting on the water's edge, feeling probably pretty melancholic because that's just what happens in that environment. Yeah. <laughs> you start thinking about life, looking out on the waters, and seeing um, other people out there, especially families and young couples together, and thinking, yeah. oh, I wonder, wonder if that'll ever happen for me. Hmm. I, I, there, I mean, there were no prospects at the time, and I just couldn't imagine really what life would be like um, married or with kids, um, and maybe even just doubting that that was ever really part of my plan. I'm just not sure where I was headed. In mm-hmm. that area, like enjoying my work, but yeah. uh, on the personal side of things, just no clue what was it, what was going to happen. So that's the end of the flashback. So now the wavy lines come back, and here we are. We're back to present day. Yeah. Um, about a week ago, the kids had a PA day, and David was able to take the day off work. <clears throat> and so we enjoyed um, a day trip north of Toronto, um, uh, near, the, uh, near Blue Mountain, where uh-huh. the colors are beautiful and yes. scenery is gorgeous. Um, and then we ended the day just going to the shore of Georgian Bay. And as soon as, I don't know, as soon as you mix my kids in rocks and water, it just becomes a throwing fest of rocks in the water. Yeah. So I was just sitting on the shore edge with Leo, looking out, watching those five other kids running around with David, throwing rocks in the water. 
And even though I had not thought of that moment in a very long time, or even, yeah, it just never really stuck with me, that memory of me sitting by myself on the beach in Toronto came to me. And that idea of, I had no idea back then what was ahead of me. But as I looked around, I was not alone. I was not lonely. I was not, whatever it was that I maybe had been feeling at that moment back in 2001, um, whatever fears I might have had or God's plans for me, that all just went away. And I could see visibly that God keeps his promises. Mm-hmm. It maybe wasn't even a promise that I knew he had made with me or that I had heard him make. It was just this confidence that he would take care of me and that he had a plan for me. And this is what that plan was. Like, I'm not alone. <laughs> I'm not lonely. These people are always running around me, yeah. making a lot of noise. Yes. Um, but also getting to the age where we can have conversations and we yes. just enjoy spending time together in those instances. I mean, there's their fair share of uh, fights and ridiculous behavior that's frustrating and aggravating. But here I am, not that 20-something single person who's wandering alone on a beach anymore. I mean, sometimes that sounds desirable. <laughs> when yes. I'm particularly tired and I just want some alone time. Yes. But in that moment when I was so sad and afraid for what lay ahead of me, um, I had no idea mm-hmm. what joy mm-hmm. um, was was in front that lay in front of me. Um, mm-hmm. and God kept his promises. I know. Wonderful. Now, one of the reasons why I find that such um, the timing of this message significant is because um, as moms, I think often do, we can start questioning our value and our worth. Um, what are we contributing to society? For me, it came in the form of um, what could or should I be doing to contribute to the family income? Do I need to get a job? How can I help? Um, even the idea of what's happening to my career. I haven't worked in a long time. By the time the kids are grown, mm-hmm. the whole industry will have changed and will I have a place in it anymore? And that the genuine fear that was, has been sitting with me for quite some time. Um, and so hearing or remembering this message that God keeps his promises and look what he's delivered to me, this beautiful family, has really helped me, I think, stress out a little bit less about that idea of what, yeah. could, I sh- or what could or should I also be doing. Yeah. I mean, he's fulfilled a promise. Let me live in that promise for a while instead of fretting about what comes next um, and just remain faithful that God will keep those promises too. That yes. when kids are grown and that when I feel like it's time to return to a career, that there will be opportunities that I can trust in God's faithfulness right. to those other promises yeah. that he's making and, and planning out for me. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. it's really just about his plan and living in it and embracing it and trusting in it. Yeah, it is. And it's in those, we, we, I think, unfortunately, we have to get to a certain age that we can have that foresight looking back and you see how God has been working in your life when you can accept that God is going to continue working in your life. Yeah. So that's good. Good. It's, Welcome. There's nothing finite about his promise. No, it, like, no, okay, it well, isn't. Okay, well, I delivered on the kid front. You've got some. No. Best of luck with the rest. And it might not be... going. Like, it, there's more. Yeah, there's more. And it might not be a career, going back to a career. It might be something else. Who knows? Yeah, um, who knows? There you go. Welcome to adulthood. I know. This is a big moment. <laughs> big moment for Jillian Cantor. Well, thank you for sharing that, and I'm glad your kids helped you realize that. Yeah. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Sultan Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace. She's the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. 
Well, that brings us to the end of this special edition of the Saltonite Hour. Today's segments were a selection of some of the best What I Learned From My Kids segments with Jillian Cantor from 2019, 2020, and 2021. I love Jillian's segments, and I wonder if you do too. Why don't you write to me to tell me if you have found these helpful in your spiritual life or in your parenting strategies, or to tell me what you learned from your kids. Write to me, pedro at eselmedia.org, or you can always find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. And if you would like to reach Jillian Cantor, you can write to me and I would be happy to forward any message to her or her kids. To listen to more of these segments, you can visit our website, eselmedia.org slash podcast. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. 